On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Robbie Weinstein, who covers Vanderbilt for 24-7 Sports. We recap the Vandy Boys' poor showing down in Hoover last week, look ahead to the Corvallis Regional this weekend, discuss the lay of the land in SEC baseball nowadays, Carter Holton's pitching brilliance, Corbin's pitching strategy for the weekend, how the doors match up with both San Diego and Oregon State, and also Robbie's keys to the Vandy boys advancing to the Supers this weekend. Plus, we discuss the fact that there are four former Vanderbilt men's basketball players associated with the Boston Celtics in some way. So that's cool. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening. To the Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who bleed black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. All right, welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 164. It is June the 1st, 2022. Welcome back in. We are, oh, we've got, we've got Will's audio. We've got, yeah, we got, we got an echo. (laughs) Great. What a start. What a start. Well, I still got a little bit of the intro to go, Will, so we'll just keep keep rolling here. Uh, We are, as always, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, family owned and operated for more than two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service. Growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue in Berry Hill, just a short drive away from the beautiful Geodis Park, the new home of Nashville SC. Or you can call them at 615-356-0303 or log on to alacofinewoodfloors.com. Alaco Finewood Floors, serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. Will, we finally got the uh, the full Alaco read in there. I got a, I mean, only sponsor. I think I think we, we need to give them a little bit a uh, little bit more respect and that they deserve. But it's been changing up a little bit recently. I've noticed we've been mixing it up, keeping people on their toes. Yeah. <laughs> we've been mixing it up a little bit, but uh, th- that's how we roll here here on uh, on TDR. And well, not a ton to get to today, but a lot of, a couple of meaningful things uh, to get to. We've got the NBA Finals. We're not going to dive into the uh, the Celtics and the Warriors by any means. I know you'd like to, I but would love to. but uh, well. I've never seen anything like this. There are four former Vanderbilt basketball players 
associated with the Boston Celtics in some way. Three of them are on the roster, Aaron Neesmith, Luke Cornett, and Matt Ryan. And then Steve Chingang is actually in the player enhancement. He's on the player enhancement staff, which, I mean, I didn't even know the NBA had, but they do. Not really Um, sure what that is, but. (laughs) But uh, they do. So, So we'll talk about that. Pretty crazy. Uh, that that's actually happening. Two of them I had no clue were even associated with Boston. So we'll get into that. And then more importantly, maybe not for you because your Celtics are in the NBA Finals. Well, we'll give credit where credit's due. But we do have a regional to talk about this weekend. And it's obviously a, a different feel right now than most years for the Vandy boys. Uh, but we will preview the Oregon State Regional. And coming up at about 8 o'clock, uh, Robbie Weinstein's going to check in to uh, to preview that. But we'll it's been a little bit. Um, I uh, I got to I got to say thank you for for filling in last week. That was a that was a hell of a job, man. I, I but thank God you're it, back. That's not <laughs> not my forte. I, I much prefer you to do a majority of the talking, and then I just get to give my opinions. That is definitely <laughs> the preferable way. And I think on people's people's ears, I think you're a little bit smoother with the transitions <laughs> than I am going from topic to topic. So that that I had to give you credit. I think I said it a couple times. I said next week. Thank God Billy is back. And I think that's everyone around is happy you're back. So now that you're done being lazy, uh, doing oh. stuff like graduating and being down in Hoover, we can finally get uh, get a normal show going. Yeah, well, I'm excited. I-, I was actually about to go live from Hoover with you, but number one, the Whistler was in attendance uh, while we would have been recording. And number two, the speakers there are just they're through the roof. It's almost like uh, Vanderbilt Stadium, I think you were talking about how uh, the ETSU game, you couldn't like hear yourself think because of how loud the speakers were. That's what they were like in Hoover. So wasn't going to try to go live, but uh, but we're back. And, and I do have a little bit more time to kind of digest and settle in a little bit. And that's what we're going to do. Luckily, it's not right in the middle of football season uh, to where we're not, you know, we're not diving into the meat of a football season, but it is baseball season. And this is when, you know, Vandy fans start getting excited. Maybe they're not as excited, but we'll talk. We'll talk about the regional uh, with uh, with Oregon State, and well, that's where they are. But they'll be facing San Diego on Friday. Before we get to all the breaking news, though, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. Let's get to breaking news. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, we're going to start with your Boston Celtics. Um, first off, this has to feel great for you. I know... First and foremost, you're a Vandy fan, but you're also a Celtics fan. Uh, so I got to say kind of a uh, not congrats yet, uh, but congrats on the run because uh, it's been pretty special. It's been fun to watch them. But more importantly, I have never seen anything like this. I think the only other situation uh, that we could kind of refer back to in this is when the Chicago Bears had, I think it was five former Vanderbilt football players, uh, guys like Earl Bennett, Hunter Hillenmeyer, uh, you know, you can go on and on. Chris Williams. Um, Chris Williams. Jake Cutler. Yep. <laughs> to be <laughs> fair, they were a little bit more of key contributors on that roster. And yeah. I, and I yeah. think I may have stolen your thunder there. But that 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 hey, is the caveat I, I that we got to give. There's a lot that are associated with the team. 
a lot on the active roster even. Uh, but I wouldn't say that they're exactly have been keys to the run. I think that, well, yeah. I know, I don't think Aaron Neesmith has been the only one that's had any minutes of any meeting. And that was very limited time when they were uh, in a very tough spot with their roster, with injuries in that yeah. heat series. So I, I don't expect to see any Commodores on the court. So <laughs> I, I don't want to get any hopes up unless it's in mop up time. You probably won't see any former Commodores getting actual PT, but they are there. And if, Hopefully, God willing, I need one of my teams to pull something off, Billy. I need something to restore my faith in sports and fandom. But God willing, they can pull it off. You'll have Neesmith and Cornette with rings. So that'll be actually pretty cool with guys that have actually logged minutes, even though Cornettes have been in those late game situations that have logged minutes on this playoff run. So a little if, bit of something to root for and they can uh, Vanderbilt fans can root behind me uh, in the NBA. Yeah. So. I mean, we have to root for the Celtics. There's, <laughs> there's, yes, Neesmith and Cornette will probably not play, but do you see a situation where maybe Williams goes down? Maybe another guy well, with how the Celtics up. have been. You never know who is going to play and who is going to go down. You have Marcus Smart has a nagging ankle injury. You have Robert Williams is at a hamstring thing, a knee thing. Horford's 36 years old. You never yeah. know. He's always banged up. The only guys that have been consistently playing and even Tatum has had a shoulder issue. Brown had hamstring issues. So even the, the guys that have been playing relatively consistently, I mean, who knows? The only yeah, guy that I, I don't think, Billy, is the one that you named, Grant Williams. He's been Mr. Consistency, uh, being able to stay healthy. And and Grant Williams was one of those guys that, honestly, when he was playing at UT, I, you didn't like him because he was on UT, but it's nice to have him on your side. So I'll give Grant <laughs> Williams a little bit of credit when Boston drafted him. It was one of those I was like, he's a former UT player, but it's kind of one of those that I was immediately thinking were, were kind of a diamond in the rough. And yeah. he, he's worked out that way, and it's nice to – uh root for the flopper instead that's, of uh, being on the other be, side. That's so. got to be weird. That's got to be weird <laughs> to be to be cheering him on now. But I asked that, Will, because uh, with the Warriors and the way they play, I'm not saying Luke Cornett is Mr. Mobile, but who knows? Maybe they maybe they want another option there. It, it'll be not. Neesmith. Neesmith is the guy that's right on that tertiary spot. So if, so if they're backups, like they have Derek White and Peyton Pritchard at the guard mm-hmm. spots for the Celtics there. If they have injuries to multiple post-type players, it doesn't allow them to have as much flexibility because they kind of struggle with depth there. They have Tice that comes in at that center position. But behind Brown, Tatum, they don't really have a lot of guys that are like that. So when they do have any injuries to guys like Smart or Williams, it doesn't let them be as flexible, and it leaves the spot open for Neesmith to get a little PT. And when he was in there, he didn't knock down any shots, but he actually had a couple blocks that were some pretty good highlights there oh, that, yeah. we, that we put out. So he, he didn't play poorly, but I, I wouldn't get hopes up as to seeing him. But if there is one guy that you might see, you might see Neesmith in some situations. And they like to put him in in those last 30-second situations of the quarter when they don't want a guy to pick up a cheap foul. And then also Neesmith is relative, relatively athletic and a, and, a, and a good shooter theoretically, even if his even if his professional stats don't necessarily play that out right now. But right, right. So that's the guy to maybe watch for Vanderbilt fans. But it, it should be a good series, pretty competitive. Oh, no doubt about it. And, and Will, it's crazy because you also got Luke Cornett on the bench, Matt Ryan. And, and Will, I did a little bit of research. <laughs> Notre Dame star. Yes, former Notre Dame star, former Vandy shooter, player. Uh, player. <laughs> and then he transferred to UTC uh, down in Chattanooga. And 
I don't think anyone knew this. I definitely didn't know this two weeks ago. He is on the Celtics roster. Uh, he, of course, was a solid shooter at Vandy, but after Garland's injury, he he wasn't the same player. And ended that's up shocking. <laughs> that's just because you, I can name off what I thought was the whole roster. So, Billy, you taught me something about the Boston Celtics. I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. And, well, let, let's face it, nothing was the same after the Garland injury. But, um, you know, he's actually played in one game this season. It was back on April 10th at Memphis. So he got to play in, in a state where he's played most of his college basketball. Uh, he went one for five from the three-point line that night and had a steal. Uh, so that's something I don't think I'd ever I would ever see. Uh, you know, nothing against the guy. But it was just kind of, whoa, Matt Ryan. Because I saw him on the bench. Uh, it kind of in that like before a time outbreak, and I I swear I wasn't I wasn't uh, tripping on anything. So it, it was it was oh. cool to see that. Uh, it was cool to see that will. Um, but at the same time, you also got Steve Chingang. Uh, he's a member of the player enhancement staff alongside Evan Brads, the former Belmont Bruin legend. I don't know if you knew that will, but uh, a lot of uh, Tennessee connections with the Celtics. As you I had no idea that's what his title was or that the player enhancement role, but I knew he was associated Evan Brads because my dad went to Belmont. So, so yeah. he keeps up with those guys that, that ever make little flashes in the NBA and Evan Brads. And uh, oh, yeah. I think on the Cavs, you have Windler is, is yeah. still over there. Dylan so Windler. Yeah. So it's, it's weird how these guys from Tennessee kind of lump. So you can yeah. clearly see that I don't know what the connection is, but there is obviously some connection to the local coaches in the Tennessee area in Rick Bird, uh, yeah, there has to there be. at Belmont. I mean, Rick it's crazy. Barnes. So I, I don't know what it is about Boston to Tennessee, and I don't know what it is about Cleveland to Tennessee, but those two places seem to have some sort of connection. Credit to the Celtics, Will. Credit yeah. to yourself. I mean, I can go on about Celtics, but I know that people probably want to hear us go into the baseball preview with the, yeah. with the upcoming matchup coming up on Friday. Uh, so I don't know if you have you have the ability to flash one of those fancy titles. Oh, I forgot up across the, uh, the screen. There, yeah, there we go. I, for, I forgot now, the Billy. one for uh, that's what, what we, we had for. Yeah, Mandy what are we Celtics. even paying for the service for if you forget <laughs> to use the graphics? What are we even doing? Oh, here? Man. Give the people yeah, what they want, you, Billy. Well, I'm I'm rusty. I'm rusty. Man, there we but, go. Uh, Corvallis Regional. All right. Preview. The Corvallis, Oregon regional preview. It's time to talk about the Vandy boys, Will. And um, I know you've got, you're going to get to some of your gambling odds and then we'll get to our predictions. Um, but I want to just kind of start here with a few notes. Uh, Vanderbilt's going to play Friday, three o'clock on ESPNU. It's the Toreros and the Commodores. It's not a bad nickname matchup. Uh, first road regional for Vandy since 2018. And Tim Corbin's teams are actually four and eight in road regionals. That's pretty damn good. Um, and, and, but at the same time, we'll see if this group can flip the switch. It's a pretty big f- switch to flip. Uh, they have not looked good at all. They, they looked, you know, they looked like they were sleepwalking through Hoover, uh, and being there in person. Well, I think baseball is a sport where if you're there in person, you really get to, you know, fully realize what's actually going on, what's happening, who's communicating with who, uh, gestures, you know, mannerisms, things like that. And, you know, I, I was I was I was shocked. I, I was shocked at, at at what I saw in Hoover Will and and um you know it was kind of a time for Vanderbilt to flip the switch after getting swept by LSU. But they you know they're not able to and now it's they gotta flip another switch. And so the the switch hasn't been flipped yet. Now, you know, we thought they had turned a corner after beating Arkansas and Fayetteville. Turns out Arkansas is not even a one seed, they're not hosting a regional, they're a two seed. So it's it's been a really interesting and 
and quite frankly, weird past few weeks for Vanderbilt. Uh, it's been a weird season. Um, but at the same time, you've still got Tim Corbin in, in the dugout. You've still got a team that has made 16 straight uh, regionals and, and not hosting, but they've made 16 straight NCAA tournament appearances. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm not picking Vandy. You know, I'm not saying they're going to win this regional, but I'm just saying at this time of year in the month of June, Vanderbilt's had had a little bit of success. And so, you know, I, I, Vanderbilt has to prove I, they have I have to see it before I believe it with this team right now. Will um, I, I think you'd agree. But at the same time, there's not a lot to go off of, especially recently in, in the last couple of weeks with this team. I mean, you said you got to see it to believe it. I mean, yeah, that's it, it's past the point of, of flipping a switch. I mean, we're we're there now. This is this is when you're it's supposed to have already been flipped. That was supposed to happen in that LSU series. Arkansas was supposed to be the jumping off point. And clearly they're not just not playing. They're not just plateauing. They're yeah. they're getting worse than where I think they were about three, four series ago in the SEC. They were they were you were kind of feeling good for the last five after the Arkansas. It wasn't just the Arkansas series. It was everything. It was the MTSU midweek game. They then came out and dominated and won seven to two and played played good baseball during. And then that Ole Miss game, they snuck out a win in that first round. It wasn't like they came out and absolutely dominated. And then it kind of just felt like, okay, now we've locked up at least a two seed. We're probably not going to be a one seed anyway and just mail it in after that. You didn't get that feeling. They barely got by Ole Miss to begin with. But it is interesting because we talked about that this series or or this regional in Corvallis, I know that me and you and probably a lot of Vanderbilt fans out there were not thrilled to see Oregon State in the same region, it's kind of when you get the the preview in basketball and you see that number one or, or you see a number two seed or a number one seed in your region and you're like, are you serious? Does it have to be that team? I mean, outside of Tennessee, they are literally the one team that I didn't want to see in the same, be in the same region with and the gambling odds played that out. And that's what I want to get into to start out here. Here we the go. Gambling odds, which uh, right now Vanderbilt will start out with their overall odds to win the college world series right now. And all of this is according to DraftKings Sportsbook, So that's where I pulled mine from, but so you'll see slight variations. They're at plus 3,500 right now tied for 13th overall to win that college world series. So mm-hmm. that's a, it's pretty high Not expectations bad. in the odds. And it's also just because there are just some regions that Tennessee, I mean, their, their odds are insane. Tennessee that's, is plus 250. They are plus two fifty overall against Everett to win the overall. Well, let me let me World ask Series. you this, Will. There, there's the question out there: Tennessee or the field? As a I'm bet, as, I, I I mean, I'm taking the field too. But as as a, have you seen anything like like basketball in, in terms of betting? I'm not a heavy better, of course. I do it a little bit, but at the same time, like basketball, have you seen something Gonzaga like this? Where this there's year, this big Gonzaga of a favorite. This year was nearly even money to to win that championship. Really, and, and that that was the most probably the most insane thing that I've ever seen. The, it was Gonzaga versus the field in a one-off setting. In that, and I, I think they were around that two hundred plus two hundred. I could be wrong. And who who won it? The field won. The field won. Yeah. So. so that's a lot of teams. It's a lot of games. But the number two team in the gambling odds is Oregon State at plus nine hundred. So you have Tennessee at plus two fifty, and you have Oregon State at plus nine hundred. And I can tell you who is actually saying, "Are you kidding me?" is San Diego. <laughs> San Diego is sitting there like conference. they won their conference. They got over that that hump. They hadn't they haven't been here since 2013 when they had Chris Bryant there. 
Mm-hmm. And they get into a region, and they have two true blue bloods they get in their region, Andy and not just and that they have, they have they have an underachieving Vanderbilt team this year. I would say compared to the talent level and expectations, and you have an Oregon State team that I would not say is underachieved and is an extremely talented blue blood program team. And you're playing at their stadium, too. and they're two. And you look at the odds, and it plays that plays out that way. Now, some of that has to do with Vanderbilt's. The rest of the region in Corvallis isn't necessarily mm. the toughest. I wouldn't say that San Diego is one of the strongest three seeds. Um, but the the rest of the odds for Vanderbilt, so they have the matchup against San Diego. And is it Toreros? Is that the, the correct pronunciation yep. there? The Vanderbilt Torero. is actually minus 165 against them. So okay. not a very heavy favorite on Friday rolling out. But they are plus 185 in the region. So to be the region winner, they are plus 185. Obviously, the favorite there is Oregon State, but they're really not as much of a favorite as you would expect with how high they are in that in that overall College World Series. They're minus 140 to win the region. So the betting odds, the story the betting odds are telling you is that Vegas expects whoever comes out of this region to win their super region and make it to Omaha. That's the expectation. So you, you can see how that matches up overall with the rest of the regions. I don't have the bracket out in front of me, but this is an extremely strong region, and I don't think that me and you are exactly thrilled to be sitting there with Oregon State, who Vanderbilt has a history against, <laughs> sitting yeah. there going into postseason play in, in a Vanderbilt team that's a little bit reminiscent of some teams that have been bounced out early in the past. Yeah, well, it was really interesting watching the selection show. I don't know if you were able to watch it on Monday. Uh, of course, it's not at the best time, noon on a Monday. But <laughs> um, you, I was going through it, and you know, I was like, okay, we're at the Louisville Regional. This is going to be Vandy here. They had Michigan up there first as the three seed. I was like, this is going to be Vandy. Nope, no Vandy. And then the North Carolina Regional came. I was like, oh, this is going to be Vandy. They're going to be the two seed here. Nope. And then the Virginia Tech Regional came, and they just kept kind of getting bounced <laughs> off of that. And I was like, Okay, literally in the back of my mind, I was like, they didn't, they didn't screw Vandy, did they? They, they, they didn't just take them off. Now I knew that wasn't going to happen, but deep down, I mean, you know, back of your head, it's it. always there. But at the same time, you, you, you get to the end and you're, you're, you're paired with Oregon State, and you're like, okay, it's going to be Oregon State because you see Oregon State pop up, and you're like, Vanderbilt's going to be the two seed here. But well, it's on San Diego. You mentioned San Diego. They are a really, really good three seed. They might be there. I think they're up there actually with one of the better three seeds. I mean, they won their conference. Uh, they lead the WCC in batting average, on base percentage, slugging percentage, and home runs. They took two out of three from Oregon in the regular season. They beat Gonzaga twice uh, on the way to winning the WCC tournament. So unlike Vanderbilt, I, I wasn't meaning to bash them, but it's kind of yeah. it's kind of when you do the preview and you're previewing like a number nine seed or a number ten seed, and you're like, okay, every team that's in here's resume is right. incredible. Like there, yeah. unless you're a really high seed, unless you're a four and a team that snuck in through an automatic bid, every team you can name off like all of this list of things. So that's I wasn't meaning to yeah. dismiss them. They're still a good baseball team. Mm-hmm. They beat Gonzaga in that 11-inning game in the in the yeah. WCC championship. But I wouldn't say they're the team that scares me the most, even no. though they're more than capable of yeah, uh, putting yeah. Vanderbilt out. No, and, and, or at you least know, I'm beating not, them. Yeah, I'm not trying to overhype them or anything, but I'm just, you know, they can't. If Andy takes them lightly, they're going to lose in that first-round game. You know, they, uh, plain and simple. So, But on the other end, if Vanderbilt's able to beat San Diego, that sets up a Saturday night game 
with Oregon State, and Oregon State's definitely saving their ace lefty, uh, Cooper Jerpy, on Saturday night. I don't know why they would pitch him against New Mexico State on Friday. Uh, but so there, that, that sets up, Will, if Vanderbilt can get to Saturday, now you got to beat Oregon State twice. That that's that's the that's kind of the uh, I think scary thing for Vandy fans. You got to beat uh, a team that you just talked about their odds for the national title. You got to beat that team twice. Go, go do that, and then you'll and then you'll move on to the super. So, yeah, no well, problem. I think we are so as Vanderbilt people, we're so used to seeing Vanderbilt kind of not a cakewalk, but an easier regional. They they, they you know we saw we're last used to them year being the favorite. We're used to yeah, going in. We're not used I mean, to being the team talking about the plus numbers. Yeah, no. And this draw, this draw was probably one of their worst draws ever in the NCAA tournament. I can't, I don't remember. I know they went on the road at NC State. I think it was back in 20, 2012 or 13, I think it might have been. But, you know, this is one of their worst draws, Will. So, but the question is for this team, how much can change in, you know, three or four days after that break, you know, after getting bounced from the SEC tournament? Corbin usually gives the guys a couple days off to rest, reset, relax, and get back, you know, get back to, to the facility and get to work. But you're flying all the way across the country. I know these guys, you know, I don't, I'm not saying I know them personally, but you had Virginia Tech right over there. I mean, how that's short flight. I mean, it probably might have even been able to take a bus in North Carolina. And but they got sent up to the West Coast. So where's the mindset? Where's the mindset of this team right now? I'll be interested to see. And it starts with San Diego. I've heard I've heard Vandy fans talking about, oh, we don't match up well with Oregon State. Oregon State is is this and that. You guys are forgetting they got to play San Diego first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a matchup yeah, with with San Diego first. And how uh, this team has been, Billy. I mean, I there's no looking past any teams. But what I wanted to say is why, not a why, because there were obviously a ton of factors with the committee, but sending Vanderbilt out to the West Coast and be like, what the hell? Why? <laughs> is you look at the seeding, six of the top 16 teams in their region are SEC teams. And mm-hmm. then you look at that, including the number two seeds. So top two seeds, nine of the 16 regions, there's an SEC team as the top two seed. So that really limits you on what you're yeah, going you to be able to do seeding wise, because you can't have multiple SEC teams in that in that same region in the one and two spots. So that that's part of the reason I looked at that and said, I don't even know if this is necessarily where Vanderbilt seeds out when you would put it everywhere. But I think Vanderbilt right. had a ton of flexibility. I, I think that people wouldn't have questioned if Vanderbilt was seeded kind of in, in that top tier of number two seeds. And I don't think people would have questioned if they were seeded at the bottom tier of those number two seeds with how up and down they've been and how they closed out the year. So I think Vanderbilt more than a lot of other teams was very flexible in where the committee could place them. And unfortunately for Vanderbilt, that means a long flight out to the West coast when these other teams in New Mexico and San Diego, New Mexico state and San Diego do not have to worry about that long, that long of traveling. But one dude that is going to be returning close to home, Spencer Jones, he actually played baseball in high school, about 45 minutes down the road. And I might butcher the pronunciation. La Costa Canyon high school, 45 minutes down the road. Uh, from guy. San Diego, or not returning home, but he's playing against a school in in San Diego yeah. that that he played forty five minutes down the road from. So I would equate that if you played baseball in Nashville, it would be the equivalent of playing against Tennessee Tech 
right, uh, right. about that distance or Austin P. So yeah, very familiar, familiar school for him, I would say, and, and pretty cool as he's yeah. from from relatively around that area on the West Coast. Another example, Will, is Carter Young. He's from uh, Salem, Washington. So there's a few of those guys. I know Carter and Spencer are two of them. I don't know if you know any others, but there's there's a there's kind of a chunk of Vandy Vandy players that are kind of, you know, going home for what it's worth, but their families are able to uh, travel a lot easier because a lot of them probably aren't able or even, you know, financially able to make the trip all the way to Nashville. I mean, it's not an e- I don't no. think I, I, I've never been, I don't think I've ever been West of Missouri. So I, you know, I, I, it's, it's a trip I've never even thought of. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Texas, yeah. Dallas, Texas is you probably got me the there. furthest West <laughs> that I've been. So I got you beat. We're, we're not very well traveled here, Billy. We might yeah. have to get out to Hawaii there. Uh, to, in, in next season. To. let's expand let's get cultured let's get that going <laughs> we got to get cultured we need a few more sponsors get... for that so so <laughs> yeah. email us at door report at gmail.com for sponsorships we are looking for a sponsor to fly us out to hawaii for vanderbilt's uh what week two game um against we're the looking, rainbow warriors we're, we're looking for an all expenses paid trip to hawaii yeah, so, so if anybody uh, knows of any sponsors that are uh, sending out all expense paid trips to hawaii <laughs> let us know we will record podcasts i will shamelessly wear any product that you have uh but but please uh anyone out there reach out we i don't think get, it's gonna work billy i, yeah, I don't know about I, you i'm not feeling know. confident I'm, I'm not feeling great either, Will. But uh, mm-hmm. hey, it's worth it's worth a shot. <laughs> I don't know if Jimmy would, uh, Jimmy Alaco. Maybe I'll give him a text about that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Will a little more expensive. Running out of time here, though. We got to get to Robbie Weinstein. Um, but Carter Holton's going to pitch on Friday. Uh, Corbin said this morning on 560 WNSR, and then uh, on Saturday it'll be Chris McIlvain. So uh, we'll see, Will. Uh, short, short episode, but uh, we'll have a big recap. Of oh, and original. then the st- expected starter for San Diego, Bryson yes. Maltz, Maltz, yeah, left-hander, nine and two, four point four point oh nine ERA, one hundred twenty-four strikeouts, six three one ninety left-hander. So plug that in before we swing over to Robbie here. Will, you're, you're, uh, that's perfect. I, I forgot to throw that in. What I don't like, I said in the tweet, Will, I don't know what I'd do without you. I, 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 I really don't. That does it here for a short episode 164. We got Robbie Weinstein coming up next to preview the Corvallis Regional. All right, welcome back into the Door Report. Alongside Robbie Weinstein from 24-7 Sports covers Vanderbilt, of course, all over the place online, all over the place on Twitter. He's uh, he, he's the man to, uh, to, to look for in, in Vanderbilt sports. And, uh, Robbie, we've uh, first off, thanks for joining. We, we started the hashtag thanks, Robbie. Uh, we're yep. trying to get it. We're ca- trying to get it trending, but um, I feel like you're just you're that guy. You're the guy with, with the scoop, and um, you know whenever whenever there's a, there's kind of a dull day, I feel like you come out with something uh, that Vanderbilt fans uh, start either to get excited about or upset about. So uh, uh, thanks. I wouldn't mind some dull days, but it does seem like <laughs> when you're least expecting it, that's always when the news happens, or especially when I'm away from my computer or whatever. But uh, yeah. Uh, a little bit of a light week here as we wait for regionals to start. And then from there, we'll see whether it, whether it ends quickly or, or whether they keep playing. I, I don't really know. Robbie, let's start there. Uh, it, it's, it's all baseball right now for, uh, for Vanderbilt fans. And, and it's been an interesting year. And, and, you know, you've obviously kind of been, been with the team all throughout this season. Of course, you've had some other duties with 24 seven, but you've been as close as, as anybody with this team. Uh, from what you've seen, Robbie, uh, you know, over over the years watching Vanderbilt baseball and comparing all those years to this season, is there a, a stark difference? Is there something that you look at and say, hey, that doesn't look right? Or is it just, you know, 
this team's young, this team is this or that. What, what do you, what do you look at with this team? You know, I, I think if you're thinking back to like 2019, that, that lineup just didn't have any holes. Uh, I feel like they would just pound people mercilessly one through nine, pretty much. Like I, I remember Harry Ray was, you know, either in the eight or nine hole and he was yeah. hitting bubbles left and right, you know, down that, that generally down the uh, left field line since he was a righty. I mean, so even, even though he wasn't a great hitter, he was hitting maybe like 270 and, and hitting for extra bases a good amount. And that's like your, you know, probably your least productive hitter in the lineup. Uh, so that's, that obviously has just not been the case at all. Like it's tough when you have some holes in your lineup and, Ultimately, I don't know. I mean, I think it reminds me a little bit of like those 2015 through I think 17 or 18 teams mm -hmm. that sort of, I guess it was 2016 through 18 that sort of yeah. took a dip. You know, you can have the number one recruiting class every year, but you got to get the evals right. And, you know, it's, it's quite possible. These guys are certainly there's been plenty of talk about how uh, the COVID years, you know, that, allow other teams to have a really veteran roster and they get guys who have played five or six years of college baseball, you know, maybe that makes it tougher for Randy, but uh, you know, and maybe like Carter young, for instance, and Parker Noland, just two of them off the top of my head, maybe they could come back next season and have a better year. I wouldn't rule that out, but I, you know, I would say that um, those guys haven't developed as hitters, certainly as Vanderbilt would like uh, or anybody probably would like, including themselves. And you know, that's something that is holding the team back is that they, they don't really have balance through the lineup. I don't think I, you know, I've heard like talk about Mike Baxter, you know, since he's the hitting coach and I Spencer Jones got a lot better, right? Like there's, yeah. there's yeah. Another, Enrique Bradfield has, has been a good hitter. So there are guys who have improved, but um, you know, I think, I think Vandy missed some evals in recruiting. Yeah, Robbie, I, I would I would agree. And, uh, you know, we can get to some, some of the talent, I think, gaps right now between Vanderbilt and, and I don't know about the rest of the SEC, but certainly Tennessee. And, you know, I mean, you talk about Arkansas. Arkansas is good this year, but they're a two seed. So overall, Robbie, kind of an SEC baseball question. Uh, have you been surprised at how quick kind of the lay of the land has changed? It feels like in the last couple years, it's taken a, a step towards, you know, we're going to most of these teams are dipping into the portal. They're, they're dipping into the transport portal. They are in the COVID year, of course, gave everyone an extra boost. Uh, you know, I mean, you're seeing players in their sixth year. It feels like seventh years at, at, on some teams. So are, are you surprised at how quick I think baseball in the SEC in particular kind of changed their their methods and their ways? I am. Yeah. I, I mean, I picked I, I had Tennessee ninth, I think, in my preseason SEC baseball Ooh. power rankings, and that's about where they were picked in the preseason poll as well. I think yeah. they were fourth in the East, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, the West is usually a little bit stronger than the East, so so ninth is about right there. Uh, so I, I don't think – you know, nobody obviously was expecting them to be like this, but, yeah, I thought that they were going to struggle with Blade Tidwell out, and then this gets back to the evals. You know, I, I think Tony Vitello had some better evals than Vanderbilt, to be honest. Uh, Drew Beam is, is from Murfreesboro. Uh, he played for Blackman High School, and uh, he wasn't super highly rated, uh, actually, you know, according to Perfect Game. So I think if you look down that list, certainly Chase Burns is a guy that you could imagine, I, I would think that Vanderbilt probably wanted. Uh, but uh, Drew Beam was more in the range that they don't usually dip into, and yet he has mm -hmm. been really good right away. So, you know, I just think Tennessee got that eval right, and, and everybody else, including Vanderbilt, probably missed on it. 
so that you know that certainly plays into things for them. But Texas A&M and LSU are good examples of taking transfers and revamping your team right away. And you know Vanderbilt hasn't done that a lot, although they've taken you know Javi Vaz was um, a JUCO guy, and then Jack Anderson came in you know as a grad grad transfer from Princeton. They might want to look at at doing the transfer thing a little bit more, I think, because if they could add a couple of veteran, you know, established productive hitters to the lineup for next season, I think they should do it. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see kind of if Tim Corbin, you know, changes any of his, his methods or, or anything with the staff and evaluations. Great point uh, there with that. But Robbie, let's get into the regional. You got Oregon State, San Diego, Vanderbilt and New Mexico State. Vanderbilt, of course, the outlier making the long trek over from Nashville. When you look at this regional, where does it stack up with some of the other regionals that you think are, you know, say a top five regional? Where's where's this regional in terms of competitiveness uh, from from either any team's perspective, whether it's Oregon State or Vanderbilt or San Diego or even New Mexico State? That's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it in terms of the difficulty overall compared to others. I think the like the toughest one is whichever one Central Michigan is the four seed in. I'm blanking right. off the top of my head, but. Uh, then I, I forgot which one that Florida, was. Florida, Oklahoma, I think it might be Florida. And Liberty. That's a tough mm-hmm. one. I think that might be the toughest one. Um, I think this is kind of in the middle, or maybe even a little bit uh, easier than average, honestly, because uh, the four seed New Mexico State is just kind of there. Uh, probably Oregon State, definitely a very good team. I think they lost their last series of the regular season though, and tailed off a little bit late because when. UT lost that series to Kentucky. I remember there was a little bit of talk about maybe Oregon State could jump up to number one, which to me was strange. But, you know, then then they end up getting the number three seed. They're not even number two. So, um, you know, I I think they're certainly the class of this regional, but maybe a little bit less dominant than a few weeks ago. Uh, And then Vanderbilt, you know, just hasn't had very much success against high-quality top 25 teams. And then San Diego – Needed, I mean, they needed to win the automatic bid to get in, right? I think they're actually a good team. They, they took three out of four from Oregon uh, at the very beginning of the season, and Oregon is good. They beat Gonzaga twice in the West Coast Conference Tournament, and Gonzaga is a number two seed. So uh, San Diego's a quality team, but I, I don't think that's a stronger-than-average number three seed. And Vanderbilt probably is a pretty average two, I would think. You know, it's just, as you know, and everybody knows who's watched them, one day they look great and one day it's a disaster. So you just kind of don't know what you're going to get. It's hard to average it out and, you know, decide how good is this team. Yeah, I'd agree. Robbie, Tim Corbin had a really interesting quote. Uh, I think it was right after the selection show when, you know, he usually does the interview, uh, you know, asking about the postseason play. And when they the Vandy boys enter the month of June, he said it's completely different. Um, and it doesn't matter what you've done February, March, April, May. This is June. And we've been in June quite a bit. We like June. June has been good to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has been good to June. So we just take pride in being able to play. Now, I think, you know, that can be taken out of context and saying, hey, regular season doesn't matter. I don't, I don't know that Tim Corbin meant to, to say that. Uh, but you know, when he says it doesn't matter what you've done February through May, you think he means that? I mean, you know, is, is there, you think there's truth to that or, or, you know, do you think, uh, you know, that's something that Tim Corbin maybe didn't necessarily want to mean? I think he's a competitor, a, a big time competitor. We all know that even though he doesn't yell and scream at thumps, like, some of the other coaches do. He he is extremely competitive. And I would imagine that, you know, even though he doesn't say it, 
it, there probably is a chip on the shoulder right now when a lot of people are writing them off. This is a team that's in a program that's used to competing for national championships. And, uh, you know, I think there's an element of telling yourself that that doesn't matter. And, you know, I, th I think February and March, yeah, it doesn't have a lot of bearing on what happens in the postseason. But at the same time, we've seen for three months or four months or whatever it is now that uh, Vanderbilt, you know, in the opening series, they, they lost two out of three to Oklahoma State. And then, you know, the performance was, was kind of similar throughout the entire season. So, like, you know, I just think that's kind of – you know, that's what they are, probably. They're, they're a good team that generally is not going to beat the best teams. And so, yeah, it's it's possible that they could flip the switch. But I just don't know. You know, I don't know that they've – like, what evidence is there for that? We, we haven't seen – you know, other than that Arkansas series, you know, we think that they go to Arkansas and win this series, and that's, that's such a great series win. We think, you know, the Georgia one was similar. Georgia was a projected number one seed at that point. Well – all of a sudden, you know, it turns out that those teams really slumped late in the season and weren't nearly as good as we thought at the time. Uh, so, you know, Vanderbilt's a good team. They, they are 15 games over 500. It's a good team. But, um, you know, to beat Oregon State on the road, you probably got to be a great team or maybe get some lucky breaks. They're, they're very talented, Vanderbilt, as we all know. So maybe they all of a sudden break out and things click. But, you know, to my point, I just, you know, there's no evidence that that's going to happen. Robbie, uh, Corbin, he didn't say this directly. He didn't say Carter will go Friday, McIlvain will go Saturday, but you know, we that leads us to believe the order in which he said it that Carter Holton will go Friday against San Diego, and then McIlvain will pitch on Saturday, whoever they play. Um, in terms of the pitching strategy, um, obviously it, it can be tough putting yourself into a coach's shoes in this situation. Of course, anything can happen in, in terms of you know responding to a situation. Who do you throw in? But, you know, say you're Tim Corbin, what 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 are you looking at from, from a week before the weekend even starts? You got San Diego Friday and then you still got to think about Saturday, Sunday, maybe a game Monday. What what's what would be your thinking in, in, uh, in Tim Corbin's mind? Yeah, I actually I tried to get that confirmed um, after that interview that he did on WNSR, because I interpreted it the same way that you and everybody else mm -hmm. probably did that. That Holden will start on Friday, but he didn't, as you said, explicitly right. say that. Uh, I couldn't get it confirmed yet. We'll we'll find out probably we'll tomorrow. We'll see. Yeah, I think I think we'll know tomorrow. Um, I you know, see, it's tough because Tim Corbin is a two-time national champion and has access to a lot more information to make this decision than I do. Honestly, uh, I don't like I don't have the lefty-righty splits for Oregon State <laughs> in San Diego. I, I and how they hit even against specific pitches. So could there be an advantage with Chris McIlvain's pitch mix versus versus Carter Holton's against a certain team? I, I don't know in terms of that. What I do know is that Carter Holton has been by far the best pitcher on the team for the last month or month and a half. So from my perspective, I, I think they need – I don't think they have a realistic chance of beating Oregon State unless Carter Holton goes in that second game against Oregon State. Uh, other than you know, otherwise you're just playing from behind, and and if you win those first two games in the regional, you're in such a commanding position that right. it would be really difficult to to win that regional on the road at that point if you can't win that second game against Oregon State. So if you start McIlvain against San Diego, yeah, you're taking a little bit of a risk, but at the same time, I think if you burn Holton early, I just don't like their chances if they can't throw Holton against Oregon State because that is a great offensive team, and you're going to need your best to keep them in check. 
So that I would hold back Holton for that second game. And, and you know, on top of that, I know that Chris McIlvain, his numbers don't look good recently. He's been hung out to dry by the defense. I think he is in – I think he has taken less of a step back late in the year than, than maybe some have said. Like, I thought that start against Kentucky was fine, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, there were, yeah. There's so many defensive mistakes. And so I, I feel like they should be confident in his ability to go out against San Diego and make a strong start. Yeah, the defense was awful. Uh, and, you know, really – most of the SEC tournament, and, and so you that, really that was can't. the worst defensive game I've ever seen Vanderbilt play. Yeah, I mean, I I was there uh, and kind of kind of just looking around, you know, kind of searching for answers, like you know what what's going on here, and and, and you know you just don't expect that, and the, the even the SEC crew, I don't know if you watch any of the post game comments from, yeah. uh, you know, a really good crew at SEC Network, but they said the same stuff. They were just like, this doesn't look like Vanderbilt baseball. And, you know, that's all they really said. They weren't going any, into anything else. They just said uh, they're going to have to flip a switch. And so that's kind of a consensus. It doesn't look like Vanderbilt baseball. And when they don't play Vanderbilt baseball, Tim Corbin's not happy. And so, you know, there, there's there's probably been a kind of recurring theme of hey, coach isn't happy, uh, but how does this team respond? And, you know, we're going to have to see. Um but Robbie, I want to ask you about this in particular in terms of keys to victory. We talk about this in football a lot. It might be a little bit tougher for baseball, but for, for Vanderbilt to win this regional and throughout, of course, this would be maybe three, four days. But what are a couple things that must happen for, for Vanderbilt to win this regional? You know, I think Parker Nolan is a big key because. I know that his average hasn't been great this year. I don't know what is off the top of my head. I can look like 240 something. I think or it's actually around, he's up to 260. He's up yeah. to 260 now. So I mean he he has showed something late in the season, I thought. Um and I think he's a I think he's a pretty big key to be honest with you, because I think you can get away with you know, maybe having Carter Young toward the, you know, toward the bottom of the order. I know he hasn't been hitting the ball well either, but he has also shown a little bit of life recently and he has power. He's a fantastic defensive player. So you live with that. Uh, and, you know, I think, so I think if you can take away one of the guys who maybe has been uh, sort of at times an automatic out, then um, that, that can really help the lineup. And, and so the idea is that Nolan would go from at times really slumping this season to quality hitter. And he has shown that upside both this season at times and in the past. So that that would be one thing that I would look for. The second thing would be probably you get you got to get a good start out of somebody other than Holton and McIlvain. And I would think that Christian Little is the best candidate uh, to make that happen. You could maybe throw Devin Futrell in there because, I mean, he had a really good start against Louisville. It's not like he has just been constantly getting hit by every good team that he's pitched against. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think if they could get – like a great start or even just a good start from Christian little that third guy stepping up that really, really can save your bullpen in a situation in regionals where teams run out of arms. So that those were, that's kind of what I'm looking at as, as to the biggest factors because the nightmare scenario for Vanderbilt is you like McIlvain doesn't give you a good start on in the second game, potentially against Oregon state and you start running out of arms early and, and you may not even at that point, make it to the regional final potentially. Yeah, that's what happened in the SEC tournament. You saw it happen against Tennessee. You saw it happen against Kentucky where 
I mean, he simply ran out of pitching. And, you know, when you don't pitch well, that's that's when it starts to happen. You, you know, and Corbin almost, I'm not going to say give up, but, I mean, he was throwing guys out there that we have, I hadn't seen all year. So uh, if that happens, you can. I think Vanderbilt can kind of kiss chances goodbye of winning the regional. Um, but real quick, Robbie, before we let you go, um, on Oregon State and San Diego, I know we talked a little bit about San Diego uh, at the top. Uh, WCC champs, Oregon State has been top five, top ten team all year long. Give us a couple notes on both of those teams and what Vanderbilt fans can kind of look forward to first with the San Diego matchup, and then if they move on for Oregon State, you know how good how, how good are those two teams? Yeah, I, I mean Oregon State's fantastic. San Diego is a good, solid team, but one that I would. I mean, certainly if Carter Holden starts that game, Vanderbilt, I think, would be pretty overwhelming favorites, I would say. Uh, Tim Corbin said that he's expecting San Diego to start Bryson Motts, who is uh, mm-hmm. he's a lefty and he has a 4.09 ERA. He's a good pitcher. So, I mean, uh, but he's not. I mean, Carter Holden's a lot better, right? Uh, Holden has been one of the best pitchers in the entire country recently. So uh, I'd give the advantage to Vanderbilt there. Uh, both of these teams are good hitting teams that don't actually hit a lot of home runs, which is sort of different from what we see in the sec. And I'm really interested to see like whether that helps Vanderbilt or does it hurt Vanderbilt or what, because the hitting conditions aren't going to be ideal. No, it's not exactly going to be Nashville. Like that, those, the, um, the LSU series, it was was flying out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really helps the home run ball if, if it's hot and if the humidity is high and I think it's gonna be like 64 degrees in Corvallis and it could be like it's gonna there's gonna be rain in the forecast you know whether that causes delays or whatever I have no idea or, or whether it's gonna be misty during the game or something like that I don't know but uh it's it's not gonna be home run weather and uh, Vanderbilt gives up a lot of home runs so I think that could help them like maybe but at, at the same time <laughs> you know, they'll hit fewer home runs. So I, I sort of don't know. That's one of those things where like, I don't know that we're, we're going to know for sure who it helps the most until we like actually watch these games. I suspect it'll be a positive for Vanderbilt because I feel like they've been giving up a lot of home runs. Like Pat Riley, you know, works up mm-hmm. high in the zone with the fastball that could really benefit him if it's not good hitting weather. So I, I'm just interested, interested to see how that plays out. Cause we haven't seen Vanderbilt play in these conditions in like months, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Robbie, real quick. Really, really appreciate you coming on. One last question, Tennessee or the field? Uh, um, Well, like statistically the field is, is the right answer there. I'm not feeling confident in that. Uh, I do think, so I guess I'll take Tennessee. I'm not sure though. Uh, What I would say is one team to watch out for is there's a Tennessee, Texas tech super regional. Interesting. Uh, Texas Tech somehow got a number three seed. I don't know how that's possible. Uh, they could win that. They could win that Super Regional, actually. That's that's a tough three-game series, and you need to get into it. Like that, uh, beating Tennessee in a regional is is just too tough because they have so many more arms than everybody else. But if you get in a best-of-three situation and you potentially only need to win those first two games, you have a better shot. So I think that could be like a really tough test for Tennessee. I almost think like if they get to the college world series, I would feel pretty confident in them winning it. But I I think like the super regionals is going to be potentially the biggest test of all for them. Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll see Robbie. I I say the field, but nervously, very, very, very nervously because, you know, you said the numbers are on their side, but 
I mean, this team's ridiculous. This team is is absolutely ridiculous. So we'll have to see. But, Robbie, really appreciate it. And uh, I would have to guess you're not headed up to Corvallis, are you? No, no, I'm not. Uh, there's I've got stuff to do here. Anyway. There's <laughs> actually uh, the football camps at Vandy start. I think the first one is June 5th. I don't know what day of the week that is. Maybe Sunday. So probably be out at that for recruiting purposes. Got to stay in Nashville, and uh, that, that's, that's what Robbie's here for, get, giving Vanderbilt fans the, uh, the coverage. And, uh, Robbie, thanks again. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.